Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning, good morning. Sorry we got on a little late. We were having too much festivities here before we got started, but it's good to be here. Merry Christmas Eve. This is our Christmas service, and I know I've been sharing this, I think, since Advent started. Hold on, my phone is talking for me. Um, How there's been an evolution of this season for me. Um, I mean, if I was to start from when I was a child and the excitement of, you know, Christmas, getting presents, uh, becoming a follower of Jesus, the excitement of recognizing uh, the coming of Christ, the serving in Christmas that was a joy but also a burden, if I might be honest, uh, because of the time it required and the time of required of my family and the obligation I felt on the season, and then a freedom, even now, as I don't want to be held by obligation, but once again want to enjoy the time and the season. And so I hope that is the case for everyone here. Um, You know, we're going to have a short little time so everyone can go home and be with family. I've got two tri-tip that I'm smoking for family coming over. But we do want to take time and celebrate this season. And so let's pause and let's pray. Father, we are grateful for opportunities like this to acknowledge you, your salvation that comes through Christ, and to remember your goodness. Lord, I pray that our hearts be filled with hope, with joy, with peace, and with love, and that it be something that characterizes who we are as your children. I thank you for those who are here, those who are watching at home, Lord, those who are struggling at this time because of loss, of family, of loved ones that they will not share this season with. May you bring peace and comfort to them at this time. We are grateful for your goodness, Lord. We are thankful for this season, and we do praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us love comes the invitation from the beloved community a community following Jesus so long that defined their whole beings by it. Let us love little children. They encouraged each other as if this love was something that was yet unknown and needed to be practiced like a baby carefully watching the footsteps of others until she finally discovers her own feet can move in this way. 
wobbly and imperfect, but still walking, still following in the way. Let us love little children, not in word or in speech, but as if our whole bodies are learning this new grace. Let us be bold in learning this new movement, for we will falter, and it won't be perfect, just as we are not perfect. Little children, it will feel new and awkward, and it should. It should feel strange to twist and turn our bodies into love's possibility, to learn how to love in the way of Christ, who is still trying to encourage us to love one another. Let this be what defines us now, in this moment. Not so that they will know that we are Christians, but so that we know who that God's love abides. God's love abides in me. God's love abides in you. I am in you, and you are in me. And this changes everything. That is our prayer right now. That we will come to believe enough that God's love abides in us and be so changed. Oh Christ, may it be so. Well, today we are going to end our Advent series. If you haven't guessed, we're going to be talking about love. Thanks to Randy and Brian for the excellent job they did talking about peace and joy the past few weeks. This morning, I want to talk to you about St. Francis, a love story, burping at the table, and a pawn shop. You know, it's so interesting that there is so much to do about the Christmas story when it takes up such a small portion of Scripture. It, It would be only a few pages if you were to put the whole thing together. It's only in Matthew and Luke's gospel, which is interesting because Of the synoptic gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, Mark's, they believe, is the original, and then Matthew and Luke took those and kind of added things that they wanted to share. They had different purpose or even an agenda for writing it again. But in Mark's gospel, the earliest, there isn't the Christmas story. It only happens in the later two. It doesn't happen in John's, and it doesn't happen in any of Paul's writings or the other epistles. Which is interesting, and and there's a whole lot of thought as to why, but what's interesting to me is how did it become so big? And part of how it became so big is due to St. Francis, who about 800 years ago was concerned that the idea of God had become distant from God being present. God was out there in the sky somewhere and was going to bring judgment. 
And St. Francis wanted to bring an understanding, no, God is, God is here, God is near. And if you're familiar with Franciscan uh, just priesthood or St. Francis, there's this understanding of uh, brother, son, sister, moon, that all creation is declaring the glory of God and, and we get to participate in it. And so what he did is he started to bring about the manger scene, the creche, which is why they are popular today. We have them here on the wall. We have them there. We've got a little play toy for my grandkids to play at at the house. And it's because he wanted to bring the tangible reality of God's presence with us to the forefront. And so he brought the idea of the manger and with the you know main characters, Mary and Joseph, and of course, Jesus, but then the supporting cast. And if you guys have seen mangers, you, you know they come in all shapes and sizes, right? Some of them have the shepherds, some of them have the wise men, some of them have the stars, some of them have the angels. But in reality, even in those two small accounts of the story, those all didn't happen at the same time, right? It, it, it's such a, a short description of what happens, but he was trying to make it big. I mean, in Luke's gospel, chapter two, the baby's born. By the end of chapter two, he's 12 years old. But the purpose was to bring close the understanding of Christ. And in this Advent story, as short as it is, we've looked at the words that are kind of what are talked about throughout history Advent. We've talked about hope, we've talked about joy, we've talked about peace, and we're gonna talk about love. And it's interesting that in the Advent story, you see just such a wide range of emotions that take place, right? We see the shame factor of Mary who's having to be put away because she's without a husband and with child. We see fear that shows up many times where they're afraid, have to flee, you know, and go hide and find a place to to give birth to the child. More than once, someone is troubled. Herod was furious. There's joy and rejoicing. People are blessed, and the idea of hope and peace on earth are there, but the word love is absent in the whole story. And you think about it, here is a a man and a woman, husband and wife, bringing forth a child in this amazing, spectacular way. And all that surrounds that and the word love is missing. There's no mention of it. And, And so how did we get the word love to be one of the foundations of the Advent story. Well, to do that, we have to look to other places in Scripture to help us understand why it is so central to this story. And so I think some of the Scriptures are obvious to us. And in 1 John chapter 4, I think one is very clear. Starting at verse 9, it says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. I like that it doesn't say revealed to us, but revealed among us in this way. God sent his only, one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice or to be the means by which we are forgiven. This is the story. Verse 16 of the same chapter, it says, God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And of course, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so it's throughout scripture, we see this idea of the the coming of Christ was for the purpose of love, God's love towards us, our love now then to be entwined with God's love in all these things. That God through Christ opened the fountain of love that can't be shut. And so Paul would write in Romans chapter five, verse five, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so this season, Christmas is a reminder of God's infinite and eternal love. That love that enters our lives, that love that moves outwards towards others. At least that's what's supposed to happen. You know, Paul said that with love, There is no need for the law. And you think about that, if that was really true, what would happen if what dominated our thoughts in our lives was caring for, loving for other people? We we would not need laws, any of them. We wouldn't speed because we don't want to hurt anybody. right? You wouldn't do things that are going to be harmful because you care. Think of the problems in the world with war. Think of the problems in our country and the divisive nature of everything, how it keeps getting further and further. If we really cared about one another so much more than the things that make us different, we would have understanding, we would have concern, even though we had disagreements. We wouldn't try to hurt someone else. We wouldn't have the wars. We we wouldn't have the divisions that we have. It's supposed to be our love towards one another that people know we are disciples. And, And I'm old enough to remember when Christmas time, it seemed like people were a little nicer, right? Everyone, no, you go ahead, get in front in line. You only have a few things. Have a Merry Christmas. And now it's become, I don't know, maybe it's just me and the group. I, it doesn't seem to be that way as much anymore. There's the concerns of being politically correct. I don't want to say Merry Christmas. I don't want to offend somebody. And I'm just so busy with all these other things. And I get it. I understand why people are so upset tight. Look at what it's become. This isn't about God's love. This is about what you can buy, the deals you can get. It's about consumption, right? All these things. I mean, we've talked about this over the years, how many billions and billions of dollars are spent just on this season. 
We could provide clean water for the world if we took the money just in the United States that we spent on Christmas and put it towards finding water and developing wells, which is crazy. So I understand how it's become as intense as it has, as it has, but the intention was to present God's love. And so I want to read a love story from the scripture. It takes place in Luke chapter 7. And I want to start in verse 16 because Jesus has just raised a widow's son from the dead. And it says in verse 16, then fear came over everyone and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. And so here is Jesus healing someone and they're saying God is present in this. And what we see later on in this story is one of the Pharisees having heard about Jesus and people ascribing him as a prophet wants to have a a little meet and greet with him. In verse 36, then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat, to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table and a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner. Now, it's hard for us to understand what a spectacle and scandal this is, hap- is happening right here. I mean, it, it does seem like an extravagant story. It does seem like, wow, this is crazy, and it's so different from our culture. I mean, first of all, we have to recognize that when they ate, they didn't sit at tables so that she was like on the floor under a table. They reclined and kind of laid out and rested on a pillow. So Jesus would have had his body near a table and his feet away from the table. And that's where she was washing his feet with her tears and drying it with her hair. The fact that her hair was down was a scandal. Women would not wear their hair down. And all this goes to kind of show that the idea of a sinner is probably that of prostitution. And to touch him. Pharisees would not touch a woman or be touched by a woman. And and so all these things are happening that everyone is probably just like, oh, what's going on? Have you ever been at this place where something's happening and you're just like a little uneasy, like, what do we do about this? That's the situation. That's the tension that they're feeling. And what strikes me is that there are times where you are maybe someplace with someone who has grown up in in a different way than you and feel totally at ease with their conversation than maybe you do. I remember when we were in Macau over in China, after Hong Kong, we went to Macau and then we were going into China. We were eating dinner with a group of people that were there with the church that we were kind of with. And we were eating dinner and this young lady, this young Chinese lady 
she's eating and all of a sudden she just lets out a burp on the table. I mean, she just rips one, like it just goes out. And all us from the States all just kind of stand up and like, what was that? Didn't phase anyone else, just us. Because in that culture, it was a normal thing. And we were all like, you know, what's going on here? It was out of place. I wonder this woman and the life she had been living, letting down her hair was probably a normal thing. Touching people was probably a normal. This was her life. This is how she lived. And so for her, she wasn't concerned about the scandal. She was being who she was at the time. And after the Pharisee had said, oh, he knew what kind of woman this is. She's a sinner. Jesus, in verse 40, replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who forgave more. I suppose. He like, doesn't want to commit. Like maybe this is a test, you know. I suppose, seems to me, but I don't, you know, hold me to it. And this is a huge difference between the 50 and 500. This isn't like $50 and $500. This is the difference between being enslaved because you have a debt that is unable to be paid or not. So being forgiven of something that's going to, you know, make life a little easier or being some, forgiven of something that could send you to prison or to be enslaved, think of it on those terms. So it's pretty extreme. It's not a little thing. Jesus goes on, he says, you have judged correctly, he told them, verse 44. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house You gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much, but the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. A beautiful story. Your sins are forgiven. Verse 49, those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think what moves me so much about this story is that here's a woman who should have been distanced because of her life, but was actually, because of her life, brought close. That something that was supposed to alienate her from God and his love was actually where God's love was found. You see, this is the Christmas story. And again, if if I'm thinking about trying to find God, 
and find the love of God and, and searching. God is the name I use when I'm searching, but Jesus is the name I use when God is searching for me. And that's the Christmas story is Christ comes and finds us where we really are, living how we really live. And the love of God is brought to us right there. She didn't have to say a prayer, accept Jesus into her life. Didn't have to follow a new set of rules or laws or regulations. Didn't have to believe certain doctrine in order to be saved. Her faith and desire to be near Jesus, her brokenness at Jesus' feet, believing that he could bring healing to her and her life, she found it. Here Jesus is validating the brokenness of this woman who is an obvious sinner. And as I read this story, I, I was struck by something. Jesus compares forgiveness to canceling a debt. And and a lot of times I, I think, well, I've forgiven these people. But do I think they still owe me? I had someone who was close to me who had a drug problem. And because of their addiction and the need to supply the drugs they stole some power tools from me. And I found out about it, and I found out the pawn shop that they were taken to, and I went to the pawn shop to try and get my tools back, and the guy was a jerk at the pawn shop. He said, well, you're not the person here, so you can't get it. You know, I need that, them to come here with the receipt. I said, but this is it. I know I don't have the serial number, but this is the person. This is what they brought in. They brought it here. He said, I'm sorry, I can't give it back to you. And these were good tools. Person got clean, got their life together. For a long time, I'd go in my garage to look for something and it wasn't there. And I'd remember, oh yeah, that's when they hawked my tools so they could supply their drugs. And there came a time where I had to deal with the emotion I felt and be more thankful for where they are now than for the fact that I didn't have my tools. Forgiveness and love work together. I care more about you and you doing well than the wrong that happened, than the debt you owe me, whatever that debt might be. And we all have people who owe us Some people have wounded us deeply. Other people, it's just power tools. Are we canceling the debt? If God's big love embraces me, if it permeates me, canceling debts is one of the ways that I love others. John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. 
What's interesting about this scripture is we want to turn it around and say that if you know God, you will love, but that's not what he's saying. He says, if you love, you will know God, which is backwards for many of us and what we've learned. No, it's knowing God. It's having the, the knowledge of God that allows me then to love. And he's saying, no, it's love that allows you actually to know God. And this is what Jesus does. This is the Advent story. This is how God pours himself into humanity, into us. There is an emptying that is a demonstration of God's power. So Paul could say, in my weakness, I am strong, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Philippians 2, there's the emptying of himself. I have not come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. God is turning the table upside down and saying, you don't know what power is because you think it's about strength, it's about control, it's about might, when really it's about love. The power of God is a demonstration in love. And if we could learn how to be powerful without the preconceived ideas of what that means, right? Jesus is the lamb of God. Lambs aren't strong. Why isn't he the lion of God? Oh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yeah, we like that. We'll make shirts about that, but no one gets shirts, puts little lambs on it. It's just not the way we think of power. But the power of God is love. In their last evening together, Jesus told his disciples, the father himself loves you. Even in the video, we saw that I am in the father, he is me, and we are in you. There is an emptying of himself into us. There is to be an emptying of ourselves into one another so that the grace, love, forgiveness, salvation of God can be experienced by all of us. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, may this season be opportunity for love to be experienced in our lives, to flow from us to those around us. May we, in whatever condition we are in, whether it's shame, brokenness, pain, indebted, people owing us. 
may we allow this to be an opportunity for your love to be demonstrated right where we are, who we really are. May your love be poured into our hearts and in turn, may we pour it out to those around us, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, even to our enemies. May we forgive even as we have been forgiven and thereby show your love to one another. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. May you know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. This season be reminded to do to others as God has done to you. Thereby show others that you are indeed a follower of Christ. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you guys for being here. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.